number two, Darren, Donick, and Chase here on ESPN 1025, the game. Titans and Bucks, Nissan Stadium, Sunday at noon. How wet is it going to be? I don't know. Hopefully the rain will have gotten out of here by then. Looks like it's going to be a lot today and tomorrow, hopefully cleared up by Sunday. Alumni weekend, our own D-Mace from Morning Drive, and Chris Johnson, CJ 2K, will be uh, – the two 12th men yeah. on so Sunday. It's, it's the 20th anniversary of the Super Bowl team and the 10th anniversary of CJ2K. So that's why those two are the, the 12th Titans. Very nice. Uh, we wanted, because we talked a lot about Jeffrey Simmons this week, and we wanted to bring Albert Hainsworth into the conversation, and we do appreciate him joining us. Big Al, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Let me just start off by saying, uh, since we haven't talked to you in a while, I mean, how are you doing? Like, health-wise, how uh, is everything? I'm doing better. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better. I mean, uh, I haven't gotten to keep me yet, but I'm still, like, I'm doing dialysis three days a week, so uh, that's going, going well well for me. So I, I feel feel pretty good, actually. Well, good. Good to hear. We've been thinking about you. And like I said, we haven't talked to you in a while, so I just wanted to check in and make sure uh, everything was good. So you're going to be a part of Alumni Weekend, and uh, I guess I'll ask you because there's going to be a lot of familiar faces and names at Nissan Stadium on Sunday, including yours. Maybe uh, we had Lo Neal in here a couple weeks ago when he was in town. We had him in studio with us for an hour. Just maybe a memory that stuck out to you Whenever you were a member of the Titans, what would it be? How would you answer that? I mean, there's so many, to be honest. Like, uh, I always had a great time. It was, um, you know, defense is like a brotherhood, you know. Uh, I mean, probably, you know, definitely probably the best uh, anywhere, to be honest. I mean, we're just, we're dominant. I mean, we knew what each other were doing, and, and we did it. You know, and, and, you know, basically our leader, uh, of course, on the defensive front was uh, Wash, you know, uh, Coach Washburn. So uh, he got us riled up, and uh, we went out there and just wanted to destroy people. So, I mean, literally, there's so many. I mean, uh, I don't even think we have enough time to, to talk about it. Well, we've certainly talked a lot about – those defenses that you're referring to because they were special. You're right. And it's pretty interesting because this Bucks defense, I don't know if a lot of people would have known what we've been talking about this week. They are extremely stingy against the run. I mean, they are shutting everybody down against the run. You can talk about that because you guys were extremely stingy on shutting down the run and you guys were getting the push up front. What what goes into that? Albert, to to have a successful run stopping defense. Well, one is uh, when you, the way we played. Um, you're not going to get out on the edge of us, like you know, uh, you're not going to get out on our end. So you're not going to be really able to run a sweep. That's why I mean, we practice that so hard. Also, we're putting our defensive tackles in a, in a great position either in a three or two eye uh, or two. And so it was just hard. And then our linebackers kind of play, really kind of played off us. Like uh, I was wrong a lot of the times. And Keith, 
Hill being five yards back, he backed me up. He didn't say like, hey, this is my gap. You know, you go to your gap, I go to my gap. He's like, I'm five yards back. You're like, you blowing up the play? Heck, I'll just spin in. And, and that's kind of what happened. So you got to have a very strong, you know, like uh, front seven. And if you do that, uh, you'll have you'll have a good defense at least. And then, you know, also when you can stop the pass, you know, like uh, even better. That's when you're like up there to top five or, or, or number one defense in the league. Albert Hainsworth on the line with us, and I brought your name up on Monday show when we were talking about the game against the Chargers and we were talking about the NFL debut of Jeffrey Simmons. He was a part of 21 snaps, and I said, i got to be honest. I know this is really, really early. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting choked up talking about it. Really early in his career. It's game one. I get it. But I watching him, I, I couldn't help but think, oh, my gosh, is this the next Albert Hainsworth for the Titans? You got a chance to see him. What What did you see out of the young man? I, I definitely do. Like, uh, he, I mean, he impressed the heck out of me. I mean, like, uh, I know he was strong, and then I was saying that when you drafted him and stuff, and I was really a little bit worried about him, you know, coming back this early and playing. But just watching him, I mean, he's super strong. He controls the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's going to be unbelievable. I mean, I still want him to get healthy because he's not – I don't think he's 100% healthy because that was one play where – he didn't have the strength uh, to push off his uh, his left leg that he would have, and then if he had that strength, I mean, it would have been a, a, a great play. So he just got to get healthy. But yeah, I think if they can literally uh, kind of how Swartz did me, uh, you know, later in my career with the Titans of taking the plow off the racehorse. And then letting other guys just work around him is going to be extremely special for the Titans. We're talking. Like they, they have to do that. They have to learn to do that. They got to learn that this guy is, is, is not just a another guy. Like he is, he is special. He's very strong, and he can create push. And if you let the other guys work off him, they'll do well. Albert Hainsworth is with us, and. Albert, I, I guess it's coincidence that this is the night after the Redskins lose another game and they, they look bad. But I remember when you went to Washington, that was something that you were disappointed with in the whole process. They didn't think they were, you didn't think that they were using you properly. And you were just talking about just the usage of a player and how important it is to bring out the best in them. So t- tell us about that because from us, where we watch, it just looks like you know, everybody's jumping in there trying to make plays, but we don't see the nuances like you do. Like, the difference, I mean, there's some, some special players that you have to build around that you have to kind of adjust your coaching uh, to those players. And, you know, like, uh, you, you asked Jim Swartz, I mean, great coordinator. Uh, I think he'll be a great head coach. Uh, I turned the, the, you know, the lines around. Um, but if you ask him, he's like, when I – he's like, when I – kind of like put my ego to a side. It's like I got a, I got a big-time player that can move, strong, creates uh, disruption. I'm just going to let him go 
compete, you play off, everybody else play off. That's when we start seeing running the games, um, you know, running the, the pass games, you know, getting the pressures on the quarterbacks. That's when you see my like sack numbers go up and, you know, and, and everything. So then I go to Washington. I mean, instead of one plow, they put on like two plows. <laughs> they, <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, they wanted me to do something I've never done in my life, playing a 3-4. Well, before that, like the, the first year with Bosch, like, you know, with Swartz, we never had to, to like, adjust to the call. Like, once we got our call, like, it's, you know, right, and I'm lined up in a three or whatever, um, I'm, we're going to play that call. Like, with Washington, my first year, uh, which they told me, like, hey, we're going to play the same defense that Tennessee does. They're going to do the same exact thing. You know, just so we got even, I think, better talent. Gonna be great. This is what I heard from the front office guys. Well, when I get there, first practice or not even first, well, the first uh, mini camp, like we're doing all these like checks, like somebody motions over, we're you know we're going like check right, the, the whole line got a slot. Then they're like changing play in the, in, in the middle of of the cadence. I mean, it's just you got so much to think about. Like you can't even get off the ball. I mean, it's just you know it's just crazy. And I'm like, you know, how can we, like, you know, while we're adjusting, why don't we just play and let the linebackers adjust since they're, you know, five years back? They just don't like somebody being, I guess, smart and knowing football like that. And they, you know, they you know, kind of had an attitude with me. Then, of course, the other little guy comes in, you know, the Napoleon guy, you know, with a complex. <laughs> he, he comes in. He comes in and says, I want you to. I want you to grab the center. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, you're going to spread your legs, you're going to grab the center, and the linebacker's going to run through. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, okay. But I think people are going to, like, say, like, I'm, a, like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> like, if, if that's, you know, if that, he's like, oh, no, I'm just going to tell him you're doing great. You're doing great. And I'm like, all right. You know, you can get a guy, you can pay a guy like 300 grand to like grab the center. <laughs> you're, like, you're not going to like, you know, you're not going to pay somebody like this kind of money just to, to grab the center. It doesn't make any sense. And I said this, you know, I mean, like, well, you know, maybe we can uh, work on a trade or something like that. And he like joked, like, hey, I hear you got a nice condo. I was like, yeah, well, y'all get me out of here. You can, you can buy it, definitely. <laughs> so, I mean,. Yeah, it was just, it was crazy, that that place. Like, literally, I mean, it's the first time I'm meeting this guy. That's what he says. He wants me to grab the center. And I'm like, what What about sacks? What about this? Like, no, no, no. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I wish I would have had this stuff recorded. I mean, I swear, this day, like, I wish I had this recorded. Because you guys wouldn't believe what he was telling me. I, 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 as soon as I got out of office, I had to call my agent and, like, man, you will not believe what this guy just said. And so, I mean, that's, that's the story of it, you know, how it happened there. And I just I just kind of really got burned out of playing football. I mean, just after that crap. You know, you're thinking everybody is like the Titans. You're thinking every football organization is the same. Not even close. Even though they're playing the same game, it's not even a close.
Albert Hainsworth is here with us on Darren Donick and Chase and um, listening to you, you know, tell the tell that story and then about Jeffrey Simmons. Have you and Jeffrey actually been able to talk and, and spend some time together? Have you met each other yet? No, not. I mean, kind of like met. Yeah, uh, I was in a tunnel last week, and he was coming in. And we like shook hands and all that stuff. But you know, he was going in for the game and all that stuff. So uh, didn't really talk to him. But yeah, I'd love to talk to him. And he, I mean, you know, just what I see of him. Like, you know, through media, like, he was like a, you know, a great young man. And I'm just excited to, to watch him play. And I really hope that, um, you know, Mike figures out that how he can use this guy because, you know, he's going to be special. I'm not saying this year because uh, he's still not 100% healthy, I don't think. But I think next year, I think get him a little bit more involved. Like, look at our old film or we're like, Swartz did, or even talk to Swartz or somebody, you know, and and, and, and kind of just uh, kind of take the plow off because I think he's going to be extremely special and, and it's going to be a very dominant D tackle. You know, some I, I feel like we've like been missing, you know, really since I left. So it's going to be it's going to be awesome to see him just push back the line, you know, and, and put the, the guards and the center in the quarterback space. I feel like Albert that you know you were obviously one of these players, but with the Titans playing the Bucks and Dominican Sue now now with Tampa Bay, he falls into this category that Jeffrey Simmons can hopefully get to one day. Of you have to respect what that player can do, and so when you're scheming against a defensive player like that, you can't just leave them uncovered. You can't ignore them because I, I can remember how many times you were double teamed, and that opened up you know the lane for Kyle Vandenbosch or somebody else. Do you feel like that that's that's where this is going to go with Jeffrey Simmons? That he will be a play, you know be something like that where offenses are just going to look at him and go, well, we got to double team him. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to improve during this year, and and think next year offenses are are going to, you know, like hey, we got to we got to think about this guy. You know, like we have to, you know, worry about it. We're going to have a double team this guy, and then as he gets better and better, and literally. And the Titans adjust to that because it's going to happen. And, and having like, uh, you know, having other guys like just moving around like they do because that was the one thing I was kind of disappointed in the Titans. Like they do a lot of do a lot of movement, like and, and they do a lot of blitzing just to get pressure, especially like last year. And so I think they really needed Jeffrey to come in, and I, I think he's going to be that guy. So if they can do that same thing and just having him go forward, destroying, you know, lining him up on a wide three, maybe in the four-eye of the offensive tackle, and they run their games like they're doing, I think I think they're going to have a lot more success, and their, their ranking in defense is going to definitely go up. Albert, after hearing all this, I feel a lot better about my assessment on Monday. I thought, man, that was probably premature to say that for that young man. But uh, now that you've said everything you've told us, uh, I feel better about it. So, hey, thanks for doing this. Always good to talk to you. Have fun this weekend, and uh, we will certainly talk to you down the road. All right, I'll see you guys. Appreciate you for having me on. All right, thanks for doing it as always. That is Albert Hainsworth. And, wow, how cool was the Washington Redskins story? I mean, we we always knew that. It was a disaster, but it, when it, you it, hear him say, hey, we just want you to grab the center and pull him down, I was thinking something. the same thing before. I was like, you could get anybody to do that. Why would you pay <laughs> him $100 million and like 40 or $50 million guaranteed to come in and pull a center down?
Well, that was fascinating. Maybe let's come back to okay. that on yeah, the other side because if, just to put it in context of the Nashville sports scene, just how big of a story it was when he left the Titans to go to the Redskins. Yep. Uh, we'll come back. More of Darren Donick and Chase on the other side. ESPN 1025, the game. I just kind of really got burned out of playing football. I mean, just after that crap. You know, you're thinking everybody is like the Titans. You're thinking every football organization is the same. Not even close. Even though they're playing the same game, it's not even a close. Tell you what, pretty incredible, incredible stuff from Albert Hainsworth. Tell you what, brought back a lot of memories. And I'll tell you what, if he's anywhere, if Jeffrey Simmons is anywhere in the same zip code as Albert Hainsworth at his at his best, I'm just telling you, for all the new people that have moved here, maybe from afar, you didn't pay really close attention to Hainsworth's career. He was the most dominating force for what a two year window, for maybe two three, seasons. Two for seasons. Sure. He, I mean, yeah. he he was the most dominating force in the NFL. I mean, he on the on that side of the ball, you could not stop him. And it he took, just blew everybody up. It took a few years for him yeah. to hit his stride. He was more of a role player in his first couple of years. They always saw the talent, but and it's not like he was a bad player. He was he was helping them the first couple of years. The Titans were still a Super Bowl contender. Oh two, oh three, a couple of really good teams. But then, remember they had to break it down. Yeah, it let guys like remember they, the trade of Derek Mason and Samari Roll and Steve McNair. They all ended up well, on, their, on the Ravens. They, well, right? they, they, they had them, to cut a couple of them. Kevin right? Carter. Yeah, and then um, they built it back up. Jim Schwartz became the defensive coordinator, and they all of a sudden built the defense around him and yeah. Keith Bullock. Really, those were the two anchors. And then you had a dominant defense again, but he was as good as anybody. Remember, the, the, there was a huge article in Sports Illustrated uh, about it. I mean, a long article just about how much he was dominating the game. And then he hit free agency. That was a big story here was, were the Titans ready to commit the big dollars it was going to take a long-term contract or was he going to hit free agency? Or are they going to keep franchising him? It got to that rubber hitting the road. Well, remember they how many times they made can the they big franchise mistake of saying they're not going to? You know, okay, well, we won't do it anymore. We'll this franchise it this year, but we won't do it next. Year. Which was yeah. a huge mistake. That was, and we said it. We said it. That was we, a we were mistake. doing the shows then. We were like, that's a huge mistake. You that rule is there. You don't have to change because the player doesn't want to keep getting fran- that's that right. other teams have done it. Like you shouldn't do that. And there were reasons why they didn't want to commit. Because he had had the issue on the field, you know, where he stomped on the guy's head that he had Andre been suspended Gerard. a couple of years before. Yep. yep, Cowboys game, Vince Young's rookie year. I right. was there, oh six. So he he had his issues, but it, he was a integral. He was a guy that they they couldn't lose, and they were never the same without him. Once he yeah. left, and then but the other flip side of that was as he just described, he got this truckload of money. From the Redskins, and that was a giant story nationally. Is how quickly they handed him the forty-one million guaranteed, and it was one of the biggest contracts well, that's, going. At that the was time. when the whole legal probably, tampering say, period probably started. started right. the, the ball rolling yeah, down they the hill. Changed, changed the rules, the rules. Yeah. yeah, because it was so obvious that they had yeah. done. I the think deal. it wasn't it like the next year or maybe two years after. That I don't they think had, it was the that? next year, but it was clearly 
that was basically the straw, right? Yeah. That that's what because broke free everything. agency opened at midnight, and he was signed by twelve oh five. Yeah, yeah, the biggest massive deal, right? Anyone's ever seen, and it was done in five minutes. Yeah. Really, but what's funny? You go back to two thousand eight, which was you know his his last year here, and you know obviously they started ten and zero and um, and lost to the Ravens. But that that D line was led by Albert, then Kyle Vandenbosch, Javon Curse had come back. But was still he wasn't the same Javon Curse by no. any means, and then uh, Tony Brown, right? That was the other that that was that I can remember them like arm you know being like a chain essentially holding up the ten and zero when they when they started. But that's what I brought up with Albert of you know nothing against the other guys on that line. Kyle Vandenbosch was very good in his own right, but because Albert was there, it opened it up for some of those others like Javon Curse to have. You know, one more run, and then and then KVB as well, because you had to respect Albert there in the middle. But this this is something that I think a lot of people have had to learn over time in the free agency or trading for a player. And you know, there's an article today and uh, on ESPN's website about how there have been more trades, but you have to be able to know how you're going to use a player and a player's stats or value in one place, in one scheme, may not be the same if it's a different scheme. And that, that's where Hainsworth got off track immediately is they were running a 3-4. He had never been in a 3-4, and yep. I guess he just thought it would work out. They convinced him it would work out, and it, it well, just got off on guy, the wrong foot. The little guy with the complex. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure him. which guy he's talking about. I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think we know. Well, we know that. The head honcho there. Yeah, maybe maybe the. But he said he seemed to the say owner, another guy. Well, he seemed to. You know, his, like to me, coach. I, I took like it a as mission coach. I took it as Shanahan and Snyder. Right, that's what I took. Well, it was as. Shanahan there, or was that Jim Zorn? Was Zorn or, before or, Shanahan, it, or was it, that? It could have been a position coach that he was talking about, or a defensive coordinator. I'm not. I'm not sure. But go back we, and look at that. We, I, 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 I'm looking it up. I was just assuming he was talking about Shanahan and obviously Snyder. The little guy with the complex. <laughs> he's he's definitely a little but guy. It, with... it it has you here though, always because we we thought about it at the time. Like, what if? Like, okay, so it was... when he signed, it was Jim Zorn for oh eight oh nine. That was the coach that he signed with, replacing Joe Gibbs. I think things though went really and then it really, was Shanahan really poorly when Shanahan came into the mix. That's yeah. when things got. Like it was basically the well, end. It the was the classic. The it was the classic lose lose because the Titans started the next season zero and six. Yep. Even though CJ two K had two thousand yards, it was the season was yep. essentially over. They they worked to get back to where they kind of were in they it. They finished eight and eight. Yeah. And they, the, they were somewhat still in the race late, but they had two, the horse was out of the barn, mm-hmm. right? And it that, was that was that game in New England, right, where they just got. Well, well, I forgot what yeah. the score was, but they were the fifty-nine to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always used to joke. No, that was the Oilers because they were wearing the Oilers uniforms. <laughs> that wasn't the Titan. That was the Oilers. Well, that's where it sort of culminated. Yeah, but the there was an immediate impact of not having Hainsworth there, and there was an immediate. This is going completely off the rails with Hainsworth in Washington. So. It's a, it's like the classic, what if you could do it over again? What would you do? They won seven of their next eight after getting curb stomped in Foxborough. Yeah, because they had the bye. 59 right. nothing. Yeah. yeah. Remember, they were 13-3 and three in the number one seed in the in the yep. AFC playoffs the year before. Yep. Well, yeah. They, they started off 10-0. and 
I was at that game in Cincinnati, the second game of the season. I went to Lexington, went to MTSU-Kentucky game on Saturday at then Commonwealth, and then drove up to Cincinnati the next day and went to the Bengals-Titans, and there were like 60-mile-per-hour wins at that game. You you could barely throw – if you threw the ball, you had to throw it in a, a different direction and hope the wind would take it to where you were trying to hit. I'm not even kidding. Right. It was that crazy, and of course – the Titans uh, ended up pulling away and just beating up on Cincinnati that day. I think they won, uh, what was it, 24-7 to that game because you couldn't do much. I mean, the, the offenses couldn't do yeah. it. It was so windy that day, and that wasn't a great Bengals team. No. And then, so 2009 where they started off 0-6, wasn't that the, you were there in the preseason in Dallas? That was the debut of Jerry's World? When they, that when, was 2010. No, well, 2009 was, I think, when – no, no, 2010 was the first season of, of Jerry's World. Trust me. It was 2010. Look it up. I will. Yeah, at Dallas, uh, October But 10th. they played in the preseason, and I thought that was Jerry's World because both punters were hitting the scoreboard yeah. And Jeff in Fisher 2009. basically in, in, instructed his punter to kick it off of the Jumbotron so he could make yeah. a point that, that they was needed an to move that thing. That was yeah. an 9 yeah. So the preseason game. Right. That's when it opened. You're saying in 2010 is when Jerry's World. So that was the second year of it? Yeah. I thought when I went there in 2010, that was the first year. Okay, it may have been the second year. Because 2009, it opened, and the Titans played there in the preseason because A.J. Trapasso, who ran the fake punt in the Hall of Fame game. That is correct. I'll tell you why. Because the first preseason game, Willie, we were there. It was in Canton at the Hall of Fame. That was the the Hall of Fame game. That was the when Bills. they ran the fake punt yep. because yep. with A.J. Trapasso and right. Craig Hendrick was still on the team, too. That is correct. All right, we'll come back. Terry McCormick, he was there at all those games, too. He's with TitanInsider.com. We'll talk more about this on the other side. ESPN 102.5, the game. Back here on Darren Donick and Chase. You just made the list coming up at high noon. Terry McCormick, TitanInsider.com, has been covering the team since they've been here. He remembers the Albert Hainsworth days Does he remember well. Funky Town? But does oh, he yeah. does oh. he know the artist? I bet he does. Lips Inc. There you go. <laughs> I knew I could count on you, Terry. Lips Inc. <laughs> from the sixties, seventies, or early eighties. <laughs> my wheelhouse. You're, you're all over. Nineteen ninety three. Sorry, I'm out. Yeah, if we start asking Terry about Halsey and Post Malone, he's going to be like, <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about. Moses Malone, not right, Post Malone. Exactly. That's what it would be. Billie Eilish. Talk about her. Uh, what? <laughs> what? So, I don't know if you had a chance to hear our conversation with Albert. Um, he had a lot of glowing remarks about Big Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons' debut. 21 snaps. Obviously, we all saw what he did on that final play, which ended up being the game winner for the Titans. What did you make of Jeffrey Simmons? I know it's one game, but one game to what's hope, hoping everybody's or what everybody's hoping is going to be a long career. What did you see? Well, I saw a kid that obviously has a lot of talent, a lot of raw talent. And, you know, coming off the injury that he had, you know, I don't know what anybody, you know, if anybody could have really said, hey, this is what he's going to be able to deliver. This is what he's going to, you know, be able to give you, that sort of thing. But when you look at the way he played, a tackle for loss, uh, you know, his first career sack, six overall tackles I think he was credited with, you know, you're seeing a guy that has the potential to be a dominant type player, sort of like Albert Hainsworth, sort of like Aaron Donald, those types of players 
you know, they don't grow on trees. And when you've got one, it makes a world of difference. And to me, when you're looking at it, you know, from this perspective, the one thing that the defense has had trouble with over the last couple of seasons with Dean Pease being the defensive coordinator is getting a consistent pass rush. And, you know, you normally think of that coming off the edge. And their, their edge players are, are okay, but they're not, you know, they're no difference makers there on the edge. I think we would all agree with that. But what you can do with a guy like Jeffrey Simmons paired with Jarrell Casey getting pushed up the middle to collapse the pocket, it may mean that you don't need to blitz as much. You don't need to send that nickel back. You don't need to send that inside linebacker on the blitz to try and manufacture pressure because you're not getting pressure, albeit from a different angle coming from the inside and not the outside, but you're getting, you should be able to start getting that with four guys now. And then plus what Jeffrey Simmons can do against the run, I think you know, you're looking at a guy who can really make a big difference on this defensive line if he continues to develop. Okay, what's going to give? The Bucks offense is the fourth best scoring offense in the league, basically putting up 29 points a game. The Titans are the fourth best defense in not giving up points, only averaging 16 points per game. We know they haven't given up well, more than 20 in a game. So what gives on Sunday? Well, to me, it's going to come down to this, turnovers. If the Titan, if the if the Titans can have the Jameis Winston that was in London play, and they're getting turnovers and takeaways and things like that, then I think they're going to win the game. If Jameis is sharp, if he's on his game, which we've seen him do before, then you know he can he can make the Titans pay. So it's, it's going to be a lot of that to me is going to be riding on that. Terry, how about these numbers here? Now, now you tell me if these names sound familiar: Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley. That you might have had some fantasy drafts where those were the first four picks in some order in the draft. Maybe, maybe another guy thrown in there somewhere. Right? Fair to say. Well, don't leave Breida off sure. from San Francisco. Now Matt Breida is another guy that has had a really good year for a team that hadn't lost yet. Now here are the rushing numbers for those guys against the Buccaneers. McCaffrey's played them twice. They've already played the the uh, Panthers twice. Once in London, sixteen carries, thirty seven yards. 22 carries, 31 yards. Saquon Barkley got hurt in the game, but before he got hurt, eight carries for 10 yards. Alvin Kamara, 16 carries, 62 yards. Todd Gurley, five carries, 16 yards. Matt Breida, 15 carries, 37 yards. The Bucks have the number one rush defense in the league. So th- this looks like a game. Now, the other side of the coin is they've been giving up huge chunks of yards through the air. So it looks like it's pretty clear what the game plan is going to be. Yeah, and you hope that if you're the Titans that Brian Tannehill, what he did last week against the Chargers, proves to be for real. Uh, you know, getting guys like uh, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown involved and letting them make chunk plays and that sort of thing, you know, certainly showed us an aspect of the offense we hadn't seen maybe, you know, maybe over the last two or three years, you know, in terms of Titans could possibly do. Now, that said, you know, there was a reason that Miami gave up on Ryan Tannehill because he didn't do those types of things consistently enough when he was a Dolphin. So if you're the Titans, you have to hope that it carries over at least for a few games. And, uh, you know, if if you're the Bucks, you want to, you want to take advantage of the Titans' offensive line 
struggles and you want to make him get a little bit of happy seat going and get him off the spot and making him throw those passes, you know, before he's comfortable doing it. Terry McCormick is with us from TitanInsider.com. And Terry, as you as you look at some of the injuries that the Titans are facing right now, I, I am a little concerned about some of those. We know Delaney Walker, the ankle, you know, what's going on there, but also cornerback Adoree Jackson uh, did not practice on Thursday as he battles the foot injury. Yeah, Adoree Jackson and Delaney Walker look like the big two that, uh, you know, there might be some issues with. The good news is it looks like they may get Jayon Brown back this week after he missed last week with a groin injury. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a trade-off. You know, I think they can absorb the loss of Adore Jackson better than they could absorb the loss of Jayon Brown simply for the fact that Jayon Brown is the guy that covers the tight end out of the backfield. He's the guy that can cover running backs, you know, out, coming out of the backfield. With Adore Jackson, yes, you know, he had been playing better over the last two or three games. But, you know, there's not a whole lot of drop-off if they have to go to a guy like LaShawn Sims, who's a decent fill-in. With Delaney Walker, and, and I know this is a, obviously a concern for the coaching staff, he uh, you know really didn't play last week. He was on the sideline. Is this a situation where maybe they need to just shut him down for a few weeks just to make sure that ankle is fully healed? Well, in the locker room Sunday after the Chargers game, he, he didn't sound too optimistic about being able – to give it a go, it sounds like that ankle injury is, you know, something that's, been, that's going to nag him for a little bit. I think they might be better off, uh, you know, like you said, shutting him down, letting him have a couple of games to rest it, and then come back and uh, bring him in, you know, back when he's healthy. You know, I think, you know, you feel a little bit better if you have to do something like that because of the emergence of the receivers and Corey Davis and. A.J. Brown, and also the fact that Jonu Smith has played pretty well and kind of come on as a pass receiver, at least on Sunday. And, you know, and a couple of times this year he's been able to do that. I don't think he's going to give you what Delaney Walker did in his prime, but I think he is a guy who is a reliable target and can get some yards after the catch. The offensive line only gave up two sacks last week, a, a, a huge improvement for them after a tough start to the season. But Shaq Barrett comes in for the Tampa Bay Bucks, leading the team with nine sacks. How do you see the offensive line being able to combat not only Shaq Barrett, but Indomitian Sue and the others on that defensive line? Yeah, that's a tough defensive line, and it's going to be a big test. You know, the big thing that scares me is Indomitian Sue going against Nate Davis or, or Jamil Douglas, depending on who they want to put there. You know, to me, that's a that's a scary match with a seasoned veteran who's been one of the best defensive linemen in the league over the last decade or so, and going against a, a raw rookie who, you know, quite honestly, is probably would probably be better served uh, being a backup and learning this year rather than having to be thrown in and having to play every down. You know, the offensive line played better. I think maybe they game planned a little better last week to try and get the ball out a little quicker something, you know, that Marcus Mariota had been guilty of, of holding the ball too long on occasion. But, you know, the Tampa defense is, you know, the defensive front is pr- pretty darn good. And, and they're going to put some pressure on, and they're going to throw some looks at you that uh, is going to put some pressure on that offensive line. It'll be interesting to see if they can hold up. Indeed it will be, and I guess we'll find out at about 3 o'clock on Sunday how it all plays out. Terry, thanks for doing this. As always, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. 
Terry McCormick, TitanInsider.com. Back to wrap up the second hour next. Talked about this last night. I know, Willie, you were working. You were doing your thing. Chase, you were doing your thing, unfortunately, because of what we put out there earlier because there was a situation with Dave and our engineer, on-site engineer, and so there was a lot of stuff going on. But in pregame, I had on Becky Savage last night at Barrel House, who's with the 525 Foundation, and Saturday is National Take-Back Day. And I want to put this back out there again because I do think it's important. I think we all fit into this category. And unfortunately, the Savage family lost two of their sons to this. To prescription drugs and kids going to parties and right and overdosing. It's a it's a scary thing. And what National Take Back Day is, we probably all have a a medicine cabinet or cabinets that we keep prescription drugs, whether it's for ourselves, our family members, the the pets, what you know, you got all kinds of stuff out there. And a lot of times you just when you're done, you don't finish. And you just, it just sits there, right? And you forget all about it. And so the next thing you know, if you've ever cleaned out your medicine cabinets, which I'm guilty of, you go a long time and you don't even address it. Right. They're just sitting there. They're sitting there doing nothing. And this is kind of what they do. And the number she was throwing out that people returning, you know, uh, uh, pills, uh, prescriptions that have expired – unused, unwanted, they get hundreds of pounds, hundreds of pounds. Just think about how much a pill weighs. Yeah. How much your people were bringing to them to get that much, you know, expired prescription drugs. So what the Predators have done is they've teamed up with them, and they're going to make both Fordyce centers available on Saturday. So the one in Antioch and the one uh, in Bellevue, the new one, and they want you, and there's going to be two Walmarts. There's one on Nolansville Road, 5824 Nolansville Road, Nolansville Pike, excuse me. Um, and there's one 4424 Lebanon Pike. That one is in Hermitage, okay? And those two Walmarts also will be available for you to bring expired, unused, and unwanted prescription drugs, okay? And take them to, and like I said, we all could probably do this at our house because it's just something. You don't do, and then sometimes, I mean, for prime example, I, I just had stuff after a knee surgery, and I didn't take everything. I didn't finish everything, and so I've got stuff there that needs to go. There's no reason for it. And so they've been on this. She is one of the co-founders of the 525 Foundation, and she just travels around the country yeah. getting the word out about this. Like I said, it unfortunately affected their their family, and um, it's a horrible thing. You hear opioids and right, we, we, we know that word, but right. we don't maybe always know the stories, the backstories and what yeah. really entails unless you have Willie, you have teenagers and it's oh, a serious yeah. thing. It's and it's so unlike what we were taught growing up, right? We were all taught stay away from the guy on the street that's gonna sell you this or that. Right. You know, it's just it's such a different thing, but it, it is so serious. Of what happens, and like you can some, find it anywhere now. No question. Well, what about did I just it. say? It, their the story is going to a high school party. Yeah, yeah. The kids just grabbing something them out. out of the medicine yes. cabinet. That oh, well, you know that we right. had we didn't think about it. You know, and then it's an epidemic. It really is. Well, like you know, a prime example. You just had knee surgery, so they give you 
you know, painkillers for that, and you, you know, get addicted. Th- that yeah. stuff, yeah. You don't think about it. You put it up in your medicine cabinet, and maybe there's you know three or four pills left. You don't even think about it, and then that's what happens with some of these situations. And so I, I do, um, I I respect and admire people that go through a, a horrible situation like that family did and, and want then, to do something about and it. And then yeah, it's like, right. how can That's we prevent this from happening inspiring. to somebody else? Rather so. than just shutting down, yeah. very which inspiring. would be natural. I mean, that you know, they go through a horrific... I mean, think about it. They lost two sons to this. I mean, yeah. Yeah. just think about how their life three years ago was turned upside down. But you're right. That's a good point, Chase, that now, now they're doing great work in communities all around the country getting the word out so it's from 10 until two o'clock tomorrow just remember our show hours on saturday it's national take back day two ford ice centers one in antioch one in bellevue and those two walmart locations one on nolensville pike and the one on lebanon pike which is in hermitage go do that today if you're hearing this I, i guarantee you most of you are guilty like i am of you just you just set that stuff just sits there. Yeah. You don't think and about you it. You don't think about it. And you know what? You'll probably be you're not only doing a great thing, you'll also be happy that you got that stuff out of your cabinets. Yeah. So I just wanted to pass that along for people who didn't hear it last night in pregame. Because I thought it was a, a pretty worthy cause and tomorrow you've got an opportunity to be a part of it. Speaking of that, uh, a little back and forth in Tampa. So just a one game road trip, which is rare. You're going to take on the Lightning Predators, take on the Lightning on Saturday, and back at home. I mean, I don't you normally go to Sunrise? I mean, normally. Usually the scheduling would have you playing Tampa and Florida on the same road trip? Uh, I think uh, the real upset is you've gone to Southern California and played the Kings but not the Ducks, and now you go to Florida yeah. and play the, the Lightning but not the Panthers. That's Strange. very unusual. Yeah. But still, Tampa, spend the night there in Tampa tonight, a fun city, as I just got back from not too long ago. So that'll be a good And they get a, they get a rocking down there. They have great crowds, and yeah. and why wouldn't you want to go watch that team? That's, well, a, that's a fun team. I told you guys that, you know, when, when I got into Tampa and we're in the Uber, just talking, you know, talking to the guys, he takes us to, uh, to our hotel or the casino, and we're like, hey, so what's, you know, are people excited about the Bucks? Uh, you know, the Rays, they're, they're probably going to make the playoffs and it's like dude they're, they're all in on the bolts it's all about the lightning uh in this town and you could see it everywhere there's billboards and like buildings had a giant you know lightning bolt hanging on it and so i mean when you have such a special year as we know from a few years ago here in nashville i mean that's what the city gravitates towards but it it was they're they're a lightning town well, adam right vingan was on pregame speaking of that with me last night in the first segment and he said the same thing he's going down there to cover it and he said look you're a Predators fan. You should go down there. It's a really cool environment. Like they're all in. It's just kind of like same atmosphere here. I don't know. You you take it in. I sure, haven't. Sure. So it's, it's it's a really cool place to go watch a hockey game. There's some parallels too of the last five six years. Consistent winning. Um, yep. Disappointment mm-hmm. after you know they they were in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2015, I think. Of course, they had the year, the President's Trophy, the lights mm-hmm. out regular season like the Predators had had the year before. They exited in the first round, didn't oh, no, win a game. A Historic regular season. Historic regular season and then got swept. Swept. 
So put it in perspective. You feel bad because the Predators lost history, in the second round in the seventh game after being the President's Trophy and how painful that was. These guys didn't win a playoff game yeah. last year as good as they were. Mind-blowing. And they're, they're loaded again. So it's just they're going back to the well. A lot of those same guys. It's a dominating team. It's a great test uh, for the Predators, and we'll find out. We don't know uh, the status of Philip Forsberg. In fact, we need to start checking because I, I think here they may be about to hit the ice for a brief period, or maybe they already are on the ice, or are they even practice? Or they take the day off. I, I don't even know. I, the Preds, yeah, yeah, they take the day off. Yeah, the day off. Say, I don't think they're. So on we, the I guess ice we now. won't know about Duchesne and Forsberg, but you may be going out in there without a couple of key weapons. Yeah, no practice. Yeah, today they're just. Going I guess to that's why they moved the flight up. Yeah, a few minutes. Here. Yeah, I think they had meetings and then yeah. that was it. Trying to heal up. All right, rest up. It's time for you to release. Come back, feel a little bit better. Someone or something has made you mad. Got a prize attached to it, too. We'll come back, kick off the third hour with, you just made the list. That's next on ESPN 1025, the game.